This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, the Minto Cup has been better than expected and the Edmonton Miners have made history. There's been a massive jettison of offensive talent from the Albany Firewolves. What can they do to fill some holes? Plus, Dan Arestia talks all things PLL. All that and more right here on OTCB. My name is Teddy Jenner, and welcome back for another year of National Lacrosse League Action. Matthews, quick stick. Are you kidding me? Why Dylan Ward? I don't believe what I just saw. That's the same of the year right there. Oh, wow. Flair right down the middle, shoots, and he scores! Welcome back to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast. He is Pat Gregoire. Find him on Twitter at PeteGreggy. I am at Teddy Jenner. The show is at OTCB underscore podcast. Where you can find us on the Instas at OTCB podcast. Patty, you are a very busy man. Are you getting any sleep, my man? Like, I'm worried about your health and safety being in that arena for so long, so many days in a row. Ah, sleep when you're dead, buddy. Sleep when you're dead. This is the best time of year. Honestly, we've got the Minto, which has been, we'll get to it, obviously, but quickly, I will say, I think this is the most parody mm-hmm. we've seen at the Canadian Junior A Championships. Next week, the Prezies is rolling through. Before you know it, the Man Cup will be here. And then after that, possibly we have some news that the draft is going to be in there as well. And then camp's rolling through and the short NLO off season is done and we're back to NLO season. It's awesome. It's amazing. And, and PLO playoffs is starting as well. Like this, this is starting to now just like realize that, you know, the off season really doesn't exist in the game of lacrosse. Well, like after September 10th, when the draft is, and there you go. The draft is September 10th in Toronto at the Carlo theater. Um, we get like two months off. That That's our off season. That counts, right? But I mean, that's not terrible that we only have to deal with two months. Whereas right. you look at the NFL, Super Bowl ends in February and then we don't get football again until September. Like yeah. that is... That two month break is perfect for me. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. You recharge your batteries. Yeah. But there's too much lacrosse going on to talk about the dead time. We got to get into things oh. because it has been unbelievable over the last um yeah let, let's let's just jump right into it the 2022 minto cup victoria unfortunately bounced three straight losses uh they are now out uh gutted for my boys um and the coaching staff and, and our management staff and all the players and sponsors but man 
this has been, you said it, parody, but this has just been an unbelievable Minto. Never a blowout. Every game has been within two goals, if not off to overtime. All four goalies have been fantastic. All four teams have been fantastic. Obviously, one team has to be the team that goes home early. But, man, what a tournament we have been witness to. And yourself, producer Donnie, and lacrosse boss Matthew Carrick have been doing an absolutely outstanding job calling the games, covering the games. It has just been a hell of a week so far up there in Brampton. But, man, what a tournament so far. Uh, semifinals go tonight. Edmonton, Beaches, uh, and really, that's a pick it, it certainly is. And I, I kind of was talking to some people about this game, you know, through a couple of my other group chats within the lacrosse world. Whoa, whoa, whoa you have other group chats? Yeah, everyone's got to have whoa, their, side, their, si- their side pieces when it comes to group chats. <laughs> uh, but they were saying, like, man, this, like, and I even think Donnie said this on the broadcast last, last night, but a lot of people are kind of echoing the same thing. Not only is the buy to the Minto Cup beneficial because you get some rest, you get two days off, you can sit back and watch these two other teams beat the crap out of each other, Mm -hmm. um, and you're not playing that do-or-die game. You you can kind of sit back and relax. But the big thing for me is neither Whippy or Toronto want to play that Miners team again. Like, No. no chance. This Miners... This might be the best team from Alberta that I have ever seen. We always know they're going to be well coached uh, with a lot of the coaching that we've seen, whether it's with Okotoks, with McBride, or Lintz here with the Miners. Mm. We know they're always tough, and they push the ball in transition, and they're athletic. But now we're seeing the skill players come to play at the national championship. And sure – they maybe don't have the Willem Firths or the Adam Potras or the Patrick Dodds, but they're deep. Like this mm-hmm. team is deep. And isn't that word for word what Johnny Lintz told us before? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and of course, coaches always give their talk and they believe in their team. And then sometimes you see a team comes to a national tournament and ah, they're not just quite there. But boy, these guys are just as good as every other single team here. And to go back to Victoria real quickly, I know you, you probably don't want to, you know, <laughs> all right, it's put okay. salt in the wounds, but one or two bounces yeah. in each game, they could probably be, they could have been three and oh, they yeah. could have been well, that's the thing, right? Yeah. It you look nuts. at, yeah, it you look at, nuts. you look at Edmondson and Victoria, both teams came into day three, oh, and two, both lost a game in overtime. Both lost a game by two goals. Like both those teams could have been two and zero, and it could have been completely different moving day at the Minto. That is just how close all four of these teams are. It's not like years past where it was a two or three team race and everyone else was just kind of an also ran. This has been absolutely phenomenal, top to bottom. And if you're an NLL GM, if you're an NLL fan preparing for the draft. Uh, There are a lot of names in this tournament that will hear their names called on September 10th. And you can watch it all on YouTube. Again, yourself, producer Donnie, Matthew Carrick doing a great job on the broadcast. But uh, the news that was announced the other day 
Um, a couple ringers are being brought in for the finals. Yes. Uh, Joe Bowen. Bonesy. Bonesy, the legend, the big Notre Dame fighting Irish fan, but most importantly, the original voice of the Toronto Rock and the longtime voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's coming in, sitting in the play-by-play chair. He's going to be joined by Paul Henrik, one of the hosts uh, of the Toronto Maple Leafs and the original Toronto Rock. And you have Bonesy, you've got Henny. You got to have Shanny too, because in those original broadcasts yeah. of the Toronto Rock, Shanny was sitting shotgun. And that's where he really got his start mm-hmm. uh, in broadcasting when he was still involved. Um, yeah. You know, with like the Rock. many of us, Pat. Right? Exactly, exactly. Very similar to you as well, Teddy, right? So uh, it's kind of a little bit of a throwback. Um, it's awesome. Unfortunately, uh, just due to some other. Uh, family commitments. I'm unable to be a part of the pregame show, um, but the pregame show is going to also still involve Jonathan Donville and Matthew Carrick. And uh, I'll be honest, like uh, Joe and, and Paul last night said on the broadcast and said to, to them too, they said, hey, when we heard that we weren't, you know, fully kicking you guys out and that you were going to still be a part of the broadcast, we're happy because boy, we're listening in and you guys are doing a great job. So it was awesome to hear them say that. Yeah. Um, but this, this finals, uh, broadcast team is going to be an absolute wagon and, um, I'll be up North, but I'll certainly have the stream on tsn.ca watching. Uh, so again, semifinals go tonight, which is Thursday, Edmonton versus beaches. The winner moves on to the finals against Whitby. The loser, unfortunately has their season ended short. Friday is a day off. And then they'll go what Saturday, Sunday, Monday, if necessary. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. Saturday, Sunday, and then game three would be the Monday, and I believe it'll be an eight o'clock start for those the game. I, I think seven for Saturday, Sunday, eight o'clock okay. if the game is is uh, and it's a it doesn't really matter because when this drops, um, the game you you might have already known what's going on <laughs> with this game, but it is an eight o'clock start. I know there was some yeah. confusion out there. As I think some socials and, and I think maybe even us on the broadcast um, said it was a seven o'clock start. It in fact is an 8 PM start for the semifinal. So, and if you are in the area, tickets are still available. Get down. Of course we want you to tune in on TSN.ca or on YouTube, but there's lots of tickets available for this game. And if you are a minor lacrosse OLA player, or you know, someone go to the game, wear your Jersey, you'll get mm-hmm. it for free. Yeah, if you can get there, get there, right? Like, there's nothing better than watching it live. Of course, we all want to watch in the comfort of home with the air conditioner, our feet up on the couch, a beer in our hand. But this is the best junior lacrosse in Canada. Go to the CAA and watch it. Um, Someone asked me, it was my dad, I think, the other day, uh, asked me if it was hot back there. And I said, I don't know. But when I look on the benches, all the coaches are wearing hoodies and long sleeve mock necks like – they have the AC pumping in the CAA or what's going on? Cause it should be like 30 degrees back there. It is warm. I think the last couple of days it's been like mid to high, you know, twenties. I think the one day we got up into the thirties, but they are absolutely pumping the, <laughs> the AC. Like I know I, I was talking to a couple of the coaches, uh, Kevin Jenkins and Mitch wild on the Whippy warriors bench. And they went with the golf shirts in game yeah. one. 
and they said, no, we're not doing that. We're, <laughs> we're putting the quarter zips back on. And, and, and they were reluctant because they're a group that uh, is very superstitious. But mm. they're like, I can't do this. It's too cold in there. So you mentioned air conditioning at home. There's air conditioning in the building. There's beer. There's a beer garden. There's fan fan fest tonight too. Yes. There's fan fest. I think for the rest of the week as well. So the weekend, but, uh, um, before we move on, I just want to say, I don't know how you can make it work. Um, but that building needs to be back into the rotation of Ontario lacrosse. I don't know how, but it is such an awesome building. It's not too big. Um, the lighting is perfect. The press box is so it's not too high. You're like, the Powerade Center. It's called the CAA Center. Yeah, but was it the Powerade Center? Yeah, because yeah. that's where we played the O2 Man Cup. Yeah, great yeah. barn, great awesome barn. barn. It's perfect for lacrosse, and I think this weekend, um, once it's narrowed down, especially if, if there's an opportunity for a rematch for the All Ontario Finals, if you can fill that place up or mm-hmm. at least put some more bodies, like that atmosphere is going to be yeah, rocking. It's going to be banging. If, if like uh, personally, like I think I would love to see Edmonton get there because I'd love to see what they can do on the biggest stage. Of course, but of course. For fan interaction, if you could have beaches Whitby, two teams that are like an hour and a half apart kind of thing, mm-hmm. those fan bases would go absolutely bananas. It would be Victoria Coquitlam part de. Hopefully yeah. no brawls in the stand. <laughs> um, speaking of more summer lacrosse uh msl finals wa finals are well underway um let's start with the wa real quickly langley uh has complete control over an imo three nothing that team is just on a completely different level with doby and dixon and dodds and scanlon and frankie shiliano and net and reese Kelly. it's like i love that Nanaimo team unfortunately they're just running into an absolute juggernaut uh, they play game four tonight in Nanaimo. It wouldn't surprise me if that series ends tonight, but also wouldn't surprise me um, if the Nanaimo Tierman did squeak out a win uh, and force a game five. But that that Langley team has just been odds on the favorites out West all year long, and they're really starting to put the pieces together right now. Yeah. And Dane Doby is just like <laughs> – it. it is – if you ever just sit and watch Dane Doby and you just – He's not flashy. Like he's not going to overpower you. He he uses your strengths to his advantage, um, and just can shoot the lights out. Has vision for days, uh, and he's just he's really playing like a hungry hungry lacrosse player right now. So um, Langley up three nothing on the Nanaimo Timmerman out east in the MSL. Peterborough has a three one series lead over the Six Nations Chiefs. But the big story, Pat, like. A WWE wrestler coming from the back room, the music plays, and Jim Ross says, my God, that's Lyle Thompson's music. (laughs) And here comes Lyle Thompson out of nowhere, didn't play a game all year, and somehow healthy enough to play PLL, but all of a sudden shows up on the Six Nations Chiefs roster. What an absolute loophole for Six Nations, but it didn't help. They got absolutely waxed. Yeah. Um, All hell broke loose. But just another example of loopholes in the CLA that just need to be abolished and shot into the sun. Yeah. You know what, man? Like, well, first off, let's, let's 
just go through what what my night when I'm getting ready to call. I forget which game it would have been. I guess it would have been the Whitby Victoria game. Um, rumblings of other NLL news is happening, which we'll get to in a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm getting ready to, you know, think of my pregame hits and all the little intermission stories I'm going to talk about during that game while I'm in between the benches. And then my phone feels like there's an earthquake going on as everyone's saying, Lyle Thompson is playing for the Chiefs. And some people are like, oh, yeah, you know what? He's done with PL. That makes sense. But it's like, no, wait. That's exactly what I thought. He played zero games this year. How does that work? Sure enough, we find out he was on the IR. But he was playing in the PLL at the same time. Mm-hmm. But we know he was actually playing in the in the PLL injury the whole season. Yeah. So by law, if he shows a note from his doctor saying <laughs> he was injured with X injury and was not a lot was not able to play for the Six Nations Chiefs, like that's a loophole. That's a loophole. And yeah. But it is. It is, and I'm not saying it's right, but <laughs> that's the whole point of a loophole. That's the whole point of a loophole, right? <laughs> and they're gonna and and I'm sure if like they can't protest it now because it's well, a loss, anyways. Yeah. So if if Lyle plays next game, we'll see what happens. But um again, this is just you're right, like fire you gotta rewrite these rules. Like <laughs> it's crazy. You either allow anyone you you pick up a street free agent off yeah. the streets and you know, let it be the wild, wild west, or you rewrite a lot of these rules because it is the fact that you and I, who are very heavily invested in the game are still scratching our heads saying, how is yeah. this allowed? Yeah. And we don't know what's going on. That just goes to show you that like something's wrong here. Well, we thought the and same like, thing when Billy D Smith played the other week, couple weeks ago, we were like, what the hell is he doing in the lineup? And exactly. that's most likely pretty much the same thing. Just, Joe Joe Russell under the IR and Joe, but let's let's not say the the, the Peterborough Lakers are 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 not innocent. Like they're doing yeah. the same thing. Joe Rez was on the IR the entire season, played zero games in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Shows up in Brooklyn, or I guess shows up in would have been in um, in Peterborough that first game, lit it up, and it's like, yeah. oh okay, yeah, yeah, Joe Rez is here. So again, all these teams are trying; they're doing different things, but at the end of the day. It just look, makes it look so Mickey Mickey Mouse. You got to figure. And I'll be honest, though, this could have been avoided if that whole PLL rule was yeah. not there. Yeah. Because let's be honest, Lyle deserves to play for the Six Nations Chiefs. Oh, 100%. He deserves to be playing the Creators game, um, you know, in the ILA with the Chiefs, with alongside Cody James. Like, like he should be playing. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. due to that PLL rule, he was unable to. So. Uh, again, it, something needs to happen where we can fix these rules. Yeah. And it, it's got to start internally with the MSL and internally with the CLA. And then once they figure that out, then you go to the PLL and figure out a way how you can work together until there's a point where zero professionals are playing in the MSL and, and the yeah. WLA. And it's a complete um, developmental league, which you and I have, have gone on the record on this show and in other platforms saying, eventually it needs to come to that point if the game wants to grow big enough. Yeah. And I don't, I don't ever see the PLL backtracking. I don't either. I really don't. So, um, 
that'll be that'll be a discussion for another day. Uh, maybe we can ask our, our guest Dan Arestia about that um, in a little bit. But again, um, Peterborough up three one on Six Nations, Langley up three nothing on Nanaimo. Both those series can end in the next twenty four forty eight hours. Um, we'll talk about it in a little bit on box bets, but over on Cool Bet Canada, there are indeed Man Cup odds. So we'll have a lot to talk about uh, a little bit on that later on the show. We'll get to all the NLL news uh, in a little bit, but the PLL has the week off, but they are off to the playoffs. The Cannons just non-existent pretty much all year long. And for a team that had a healthy but unhealthy Lyle Thompson, you thought they probably would have been a lot better, but they are out the playoffs are set and it is going to be a heck of a series because as much as I think, you know, there are the best teams and then, you know, the, the second dare secondary teams like whips are nine and one. And then you get Chrome seven and three archers Atlas at six and four, the dogs at five and five redwoods, four and six and the Oss at two and eight. Like, Okay, once you get to the Atlas, there's maybe your top four, but never count the dogs out, never count the woods out. And for some reason, the chaos just seemed to have this playoff super juice. But does it really, again, feel like it's the whips to lose? 1,000%, man. Like, they're a team that, from the inception everyone looked at that roster and was like, wow, like this is going to be a hard team to beat. And they've drafted so well. Um, they've developed very well. It's just one of these cases where it's like, okay, who is good enough to knock them off? And I think if this was like series, like if it was a three game series, each round, the quarterfinals, the finals, mm-hmm. like, I think maybe like, you'd be like, well, there's no point of playing it, but the beauty of the PLL and even in the NLL to an extent in the first round, the, the one game knockout, at least gives you a glimmer of hope to be able to knock them off with the, you know, the, the any given Sunday um, mindset of it, because I know we're, we're in the later or earlier stages of this league. So it's not super, super deep just yet. Um, But yeah, it's theirs to lose, but I think there's some really intriguing quarterfinal matchups that I'm interested to talk uh, to Dan Arestia about uh, because uh, like the water dogs that four, like I I'm pissed that either the Atlas or the water dogs, one of those guys aren't playing for it. Yeah. Those are two of the more fun teams. I enjoy watching chaos Chrome. Like you're you PLL is, has the way that the, the standings are shake down. There are going to be a lot of pissed off Canadian fans with, <laughs> with, with two of those four teams, not continuing on uh, into the semifinals. Well, let's uh, get the inside dirt from our PLL insider joining us live from his office in a bunker, Dan Arresti. What's up, my man? <laughs> yes, that's right. I'm coming to you from a phone booth here at my office. It's one of the <laughs> places that's like kind of soundproof and, and quiet. So, yeah, here I am from the right, itself. I'm good. How are you guys? Thanks for having uh, me on. We are great. Um, I want to say, uh, sneakily becoming the biggest MSL fan, uh, every time I'm watching a game, <laughs> I see this guy tweeting about it, which is awesome. <laughs> it's fun to watch. I've never, I hadn't been like a really big viewer the last couple of years where I would just like kind of follow on social. And I was like, you know what? This year I'm going to watch it. You know, people rave about it. It seems like it's a good time. So 
the games have been super fun though. So yeah, I've been pumped. Been pumped. We were uh, we were just talking about the whole Lyle Thompson on the IR for the Six Nations Chiefs, but playing in the PLL. Um, somehow, a guy that was injured led the PLL in scoring. Yeah, I don't know how that worked. I mean, can you imagine what Lyle would have done in the PLL this year if he'd been healthy the whole season? My goodness, <laughs> he, would had, he would have had like seventy points. I can't, I, you know, to find out that oh my goodness, he hasn't been on the injury report at all. So he yeah. must have been quietly carrying something. I guess I don't know. Um, would you trade Lyle? And if you did, what would you get back for him? I would not. I wouldn't. I. You know, I wrote a little while back about, you know, understanding what's what sunk costs are. And in sports, those are usually kind of tough to deal with. You know, the, my go to example is always like when the Houston Texans gave Brock Osweiler like a bazillion dollars <laughs> and he was terrible and he was like immediately terrible. And the only you could tell the only reason they kept playing him was, well, we gave him all that money. So we made this investment. We're down this road. We have to stick to it. And like the answer is no, you don't. Like that's not you, you need to remove the emotion and that kind of, you know, part of it and just just make a savvy decision. Um, and I think for the Cannons, they're down this road of we traded all these picks to try and surround Lyle with proven pros and maybe not gamble as much on guys in the draft. And it clearly hasn't worked this year. Um, where Lyle is different is that Lyle is very, very good. Lyle's going to be in the MVP discussion, even though he's on the last place team. You know, we're doing the A-Rod and 05 kind of thing here. Um so I, I think you would you would certainly get back almost whatever you wanted for Lyle if you wanted to trade him. But given what the Cannons have already done, and I kind of laid this out, like if you trade away your picks to surround Lyle with players and then it doesn't work, so then you trade away Lyle to get your picks back, you're now back where you started, but Lyle's not on your team anymore. And that seems like just not that good of an outcome. I don't think that's something I would be pursuing. So I wouldn't trade Lyle. I would, I would, you know, keep him around as long as I could. What, what do they do then? I think there's guys in that team that have value. I think you can get picks back for, for Goodrich. I think you can get picks back for a guy like, even like Jake Pulver. Um, I think you could, you know, if, if people wanted to try and get one of your goalies, I think you could get a pick back for either Morocco or Kirst. Morocco's a free agent this year. So, um, he can sign somewhere else if he wants to, but I think he and Cork could just feel like two guys attached at the hip to me. Um, you know, they've, they've got some other pieces there that I, I think you could get some value for, you know, even like a Steven Rafis could probably bring something back. Um, so I, I, I think I'm answering the phone on basically everybody not named Lyle. Mm-hmm. I don't think they would trade Asher Nolting either. I think they like what he's done too much, but, um, you know, I wouldn't be afraid to be if somebody calls me up and says, look, we'll give you our first round pick or, or a high second round pick kind of deal. And maybe a role player guy for Zach Goodrich. I'm I'm thinking about that. Like, I'd, I'd consider doing that. And what about Quirk? Like, is, is there anyone in, in that? Like, this is the problem I have with the PLL is that there's no GM. Yeah. They and there's need no GMs. owner. So there's like, who's the guy that's saying, OK, Coach Q, we need to go in a different direction. Yeah, who is who is he really accountable to? You right. know, the, other than you know the wh- whoever, like league ownership, i.e., like you know the the labels, the executives at, at the PLL mm-hmm. office. Um, I think that's tough. You know, I, I I don't have the insight into how that locker room feels. Like, are those guys all loving being together and they feel like they're right there and they want to run it back and they're, they they feel like they can, you know, with a couple more pieces, maybe they can get there. Then I think, yeah, maybe you want to have Quirk around for that. It doesn't sound like he's lost the guys. But if you're telling me, like, look, they're miserable and, like, you know, after, after year one of the Chrome, the Chrome's first season, 
that was a team that was ready to be like, we need a new voice in our locker room. We need to shake this up. This is just not a good fit chemistry wise. Um, if that's the vibe in this cannons locker room, then yeah, it's time to start looking somewhere else. But, um, you know, I don't know, like you said, I don't know who, who makes that call. Like <laughs> there's no, there's no GM saying we need a new coach in here, yeah. we need, you know, whatever we, so until that happens, I feel like he's, he's kind of the guy. And he's not going to fire himself and, and <laughs> yeah. hire someone else. But you yeah. mentioned Lyle, obviously going to be in the MVP discussion. Where do you lay on, on the age old debate of, oh, well, you can't be an MVP if your team makes the playoffs, or in this case, you can't be an MVP uh, if your team's in dead last place. Yeah, yeah, I know. There's there's people that make that case with the old, you know, how valuable are you really if your team went one and nine? Like, what value did you really have? Um, it's, it's tough to do that. Like, it's tough to think about where they would be if they wouldn't have Lyle, because it's not like they could be any more than one game worse. Um, so... You know, I, I still think when you watch him play, and I, I think there were even moments where this year, you know, I went and saw them play in Connecticut, of course, and they played the Archers there. And you could even see the Archers defense at times basically saying, like, we won't stop Lyle Thompson. And there's just defenses that just can't do it. So the rest of this candidates team can't beat the rest of our defense. Like we'll be okay. You know, that's, I think you saw Graham Hasek guard, guard Asher Nolting in that game and not Lyle where you think that might be a more, you know, favorable matchup, but listen, Lyle finishes that game with seven points or whatever it was. And the cannons lose by four or five goals. And that's just kind of what happens. But um, I still think he belongs in the discussion. I know, you know, there have been other people saying, I think it's the best player on the best team should win the award. And if that's the case, maybe you're thinking about like a Kyle Burnlore or something like that, or, or Joan Ardella or, um, you know, some of those other whipsnakes guys. But to me, um, I think Lyle belongs, belongs in the conversation. I think he's shown you that, you know, there's, there's nobody in the league like him. So it's, it's the, like you said, the question of, valuable versus how good is he or is he the best player i think he's shown you this year he's the best player but does that win the mvp award it's it's kind of like a, a personal preference how people decide to do that for me i think of the mvp as the best player in the league the guy who's just like changing the landscape of every game he takes the field in and regardless of outcome i think lyle did that this year so who else is in the mix? If Lyle is getting your vote, who is second? You, you know, you said Burn Laurie, you said a few other guys, but I don't know if Lyle would get. I don't know if Lyle would get my vote. I think I'd have him. You know, I think he's on like the medal stand. You know, as, as I've said, you know, I think he's in that top three, four guys kind of conversation. Uh, the guy, if I had a vote, I would give it to Baptiste. I think. Um, I know it's tough to do it with with a specialist. It takes kind of wild years for a specialist to win it, but he's been downright like ridiculous. Seventy percent facing off in this league is so so hard to do. Um, it's absolutely insane. I, I tweeted out his numbers kind of side by side with with Gurenlian's from 2015 when Greg won the uh, won the MVP of the MLL, and and obviously there's some it's it's tough because there's more games and the games were longer and the rules were different so he took a lot more faceoffs but from a percentage you know point percentage of faceoffs point of view Trevor's right there mm-hmm. he has 10 points this year thank god he's been playing box because you can see those you can see those skills on the field you can see how big of a difference it's made since like his Denver days and since his first year in the league where he truly was win it and give it to somebody and get off the field 
He is like dynamic and understanding transition. His hands around the crease are awesome. Like he's become a threat. And I, I attribute it personally a lot to the fact that he's playing so much with the wings, but um, you know, I, I think he's been so good and such a game changer for them, even though he missed some time with injury. I think he showed you this year that, you know, I, I don't know how Atlas does without him. I don't, yeah. I don't know what they look like. And I know we're getting closer to the argument of the, well, you know, that is that the Lyle Thompson case? But um, I think he, like I said, I think he changes the landscape of every game he plays in. I don't think there's a way to kind of game plan for for what he can do to you. Even when he played that game hurt, he's winning clamps. He's on one leg and he's winning clamps and getting the ball out and then just trying to like hobble over and, and pick it up. But like he's he's been on a different level this year, even for him. Who's been your surprise standout? Uh, you know, I didn't see this kind of year from Charlie Bertrand coming and I don't think anybody would tell you that they did. Um, you know, you look at that woods roster, especially coming off the year that like miles had last year where I, you know, I was saying he should be an MVP conversation. Um, but he was, you know, a midfielder of the year, year level guy had this freak year. You think it's going to be a ton of him. There's Perkovic, there's jewels, you know, uh, there's, there's Pinnell, you know, you have that, that roster is so loaded. I think people kind of expected Bertrand who had a nice year last year to, to continue to be like a part of their offense and, and to contribute nicely and stuff. But he is now like the driver of the offense at the midfield. He's Mr. Sports center. He's putting up highlights every week, you know? So um, I don't think anybody saw this kind of year from him coming where, where he's been just as dangerous and incredible as he is. And then I would say uh, Eli Salama has been a nice surprise. Eli has been really, really good this year. He's always been like a solid LSM you know, a, a guy who's like a quality starter in the league, but I think he's, he's, you know, if I'm doing my all pro kind of teams, he's in my top two right. LSMs in the league this year conversation. He's, he's been up there. He's been that good for, for Chrome, I think. On that note, talking about Canadian standouts, we've got to ask you, have we been catfished once again by the, the chaos? Do they have that playoff mojo in them or is this maybe, just a different story coming into the postseason this year. I, you know, I don't, it's tough to say, like, is the whole thing just three weeks behind schedule because all those guys showed up after uh, missing some time. So it's like, <laughs> is it going to start now? Like now yeah. we're there. It started three weeks ago <laughs> last year. So now we're okay. Now we're good. Um, you know, I, I think the talent on the team is undeniable. I think you see Josh Byrne every week and he's the guy you know, maybe more than any other other guy in the league right now who when he gets the ball, you do that thing where you scoot to the end of your seat and lean forward a little bit, you know, and you're like, something's going to happen. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think you have a guy like that. It's incredible. Dane Smith, I think, is in the top, you know, whatever, top five, top ten in the league and assists despite missing all that time. Mm -hmm. um, his role as a, as a distributor this year has been really, really impressive. So I think for them, you know, you still have Blaze. They they have all the pieces to kind of get out there and beat somebody. Uh, you know, they get the Chrome in in the opening round, which is of of course a tough matchup because um, the Chrome attack is is just so so good. But um, you know, that team that that game when they played in the regular season was tied at nines at the end of the third quarter, and, and Chaos didn't put up a fourth quarter goal. So, you know, I, I, if they can maybe play that kind of game, but give it the full forty eight minutes this time, then maybe they're in there and. and Maybe it works out, but they'll also have to uh, they'll have to find a counter for for Farrell. I don't know if they're going to go with Adler or go with go with TK. I know Adler. I said it before, but when the when the leverage is higher for him, when the face off is a bigger face off, he's the guy you want. You know, down 
last year in the title game, Nardella, you know, won a bunch early, but those faceoffs in like late third quarter, fourth quarter, Adler was stringing together wins. And you look at the numbers at the end of the game and maybe he's, you know, just kind of okay, but the high leverage faceoffs, he's great at. And that's a kind of guy you want on your on your playoff roster. But um, you know, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be afraid of uh of of saying I think the chaos are going to win this week. I think that's a winnable game for them. That's kind of just the nature of the league anyway, right? It's it's all these teams are so remarkably close, but um you know, I think if they can play a clean like full 48 minutes and they get vintage blaze um, then they can hang with anybody. You know, that's how they won the title last year. So what's what's to say they can't do it again? I feel like every year I'm saying this, whether it's the the PLL or the NL, it's like, man, these rookies, they just keep getting better and better. I'm going to ask it again. Can these rookies continue to get better and better? Because I keep, I keep getting surprised by these young guys and how good they are. It's it's wild how quickly they they get used to it in the PLL in particular, especially you know you saw it with guys like Nick Turn, of course, who I think is going to win Rookie of the Year, in particular. But um, if you look back at, at past years too, you look at rookies who were drafted and they're in like the first second round. They play their first PLL game, maybe their second game, and they're like just okay. But after by the time they hit like game three or four, they look comfortable. They look they look fine. You know you saw, I mean. Jeff Teets may be like a weird case, but whatever. His second or third PLL game, he's got nine points. Um, you watch Danny Logan last year. I thought in the first couple of games, he was having a hard time with some matchups. You know, you even mm-hmm. saw guys like, you know, not to knock Harry at all, but like a, an old Kyle Harrison just dusting Danny Logan a couple of times last year. And I was like, ooh, did they miss on this pick? I don't know. And obviously that was not the case. They did not yeah. miss on that pick. Logan got comfortable. He's, you know. I think guys just take those couple of games to get used to the rules on the field. And then it's just the game they've been playing, but they're just being asked to play it faster. And, and I think the way guys play, particularly the guys like Nick, Nick turn was um, those kind of players, they want to play that kind of fast game anyway. I mean, um, but Nick, Nick turn in particular, of course, has been, has been spectacular. I know, coming out people were going to be like oh we all thought he was going to be this good nobody was saying he was going to be like prime rob pinnell which is which is basically what he's being this year it's 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 wild how he was you know i, I think coming in there was some talk all right maybe he'll run out of the box or, or you know they already have you know jackson Worrell was great for them behind the net last year maybe they'll just kind of figure out how to make that relationship work nick turn just got to go play at x from day one and has been killing it so uh he's been he's been special but yeah, the, the rookie class this year has been has been really good. And I'm you know, I'm excited for next year's too. As a guy who's big defensive minded, I like watching good defenders play. Next year's class is gonna be a fun one for me, I'll tell you. Um what's the biggest storyline heading into next week's playoffs? You know, I think for me there's a cup there's one game in particular that I that I'm loving, and that's that Archers Redwoods game. Um, the Archers roster has been loaded since year one. They've had Schreiber, they've had Ratliff, Holman, Manny. They've had all these weapons. You know, the Matt McMahon's been great. They've had all these great players. They're solid in net. They are every year. Drew Adams is, you know, just retired. But he's a Hall of Famer. Gettleman's awesome. They've never made the semifinals. Um, and I think if if you get to a point where you know, they're, they're short stick team mid is you have Alexander winning a, a defensive midfielder of the year award already once, you know, they, they add an Amon, they add a Connor Fields, you know, they have made additions, they add Graham Hasek and they still just can't get there. So for me, that's a story that Archer's team, if you can't get there this year, if you can't finally do it, I know every, everybody's like, they can't win a face off 
that can't be the excuse for, for three years that we just couldn't win a face-off. Like you, you had to have sorted that out by now. And if not, then we need to start talking about other ways to, to, you know, make changes on the team, whether it's the roster or who's making the personnel decisions and staff or whatever it is. But um, the archers need to get through and, and make a run. And if they can't, then you need to start asking, all right, if this group can't get it done, like, then what are we still doing? We need to decide if it's time to, to move in a different direction or not. And, and on, on the other side of that matchup is the Woods, who I think um, I kind of like. You know, they, they had the, the title odds, and you could grab Redwoods at plus 1,500 to win the title. I th- threw a little something on that. Like, as, as I look at that team, you have Apple, who's going to be a, a defensive player of the year candidate, maybe winner. It's the league leader and cause turnovers. You have um, Pinnell, who's having like an MVP turn back the clock kind of season. Yeah. We already talked about Bertrand. You know, Miles and Sergio can can hurt you from two at any given moment. Jules is maybe the best shooter, one of the best shooters in the league. Um, you know, if, if they get Kavanaugh just kind of getting back into form a little bit, we've been waiting for it. Um, but basically, they're a hot TD Erlin and Jack Kelly away from like a deep run into the playoffs. That's all it really takes for them is if, if you can get TD playing like he did last year and you get Jack Kelly having good days and he's had plenty of them, then they're a really scary team. So, um, I think that first round matchup is really, really exciting. Can the archers like just decide, all right, we're going to get it done. We're going to make our run this year. Or are the Redwoods going to be like, we're tired of being disrespected and, you know, lax Twitter calling for our coach's job and to blow it up since week two. Like, no, we're not about that. We, we can still do this. Um, I think that's a fun one. I think that game's really good. Woods plus 1400 on cool bet Canada right now. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I was, that was, you, you read my mind. My, degenerate, oh. my, my, my degenerate <laughs> brain is rolling right now. I love the odds there. I'm not going to bet on the whip snakes, obviously right now. A cool bet plus plus one thirty-five. Zero chance. I'm doing that. The archers at plus 400. It's like, you mentioned it. There are so many skeletons in the closet with them. Who should I be sprinkling a little money as that like mid tier chance to yeah. win the, the yeah. it's, def- it's definitely not the archers i had tweeted this morning when they were zero and four against whips atlas and chrome i think yeah and of their, of their six wins four of them came against the chaos and the cannons so like what i don't know i'm not backing that team but i uh i would of, of the mid-level guys i think the water dogs are kind of frisky um you know i i think they can do really well at the face-off spot it's wild how you know Wiz has been so good, was so good last year. And then, you know, coming in this year, he has that like brutal first game against the Cannons and gets hurt. And they go to Zach Tucci. And I'm like, well, how do you find a guy who faces off like Withers where it's like the goal here is not to win the clamp. The goal is to make your life hell until Courier and Reese get here to help me make your life hell. Um, and I, Tucci's like the perfect compliment for it. He does it the same way. He's not winning clamps, but he's just going to out-athlete you and fight and fight and fight. So um, I think what they found there at the face-off spot is, is you know, really exciting. And it's a great job by, uh, by Copeland and that staff to identify a place to add some depth there. Um, but their offense is great. I like the way they kind of move Sowers around now, particularly that he's had some health things, like the occasional run out of the box for him coming downhill against a shorty is like just obviously super scary for a defense. Um, Kieran McCardle is having a season like, you know, there's, there's two 40 point scorers in the league this year, Lyle and Kieran McCardle. Um, Mm -hmm. So he's been, he's been an MVP candidate kind of guy for me. Um, taking even that QB role over when needed, if Sowers couldn't play or was out or whatever it was, um, you know, Ryan Brown, I think is healthy. He's 
been really good for them. I think their defense is outstanding. Um, you know, like we mentioned, they have Courier, they have Ryland Reese. It's it's kind of tough to look at that team and find a spot where you say like, okay, they're bad there, or they they need some improvement there. They're kind of weak there. They're really really solid at a minimum everywhere. And, you know, we talked about, all right, if Jack Kelly can get hot, then the Woods can do some damage. If Dylan Ward gets hot, then I don't know what you do. Like, you know, the, he's an all-world goalie. If he's really feeling it and you can't get him by him, and he's, you know, playing goalie out by the top of the two-point arc instead of in his crease or wherever else he wants to play it. But, um, you know, I, I think that's a team, again, where I look up and down the roster and I'm like, I just don't see where this team is bad. I don't see a spot where they need improvement. So um, I think they're a, a fun one to bet on for sure. Say no uh, more. Say no more. I'm, <laughs> I am I am responsibly unloading my account on the Walker Dogs <laughs> in Redwood. So um, I, I might be homeless, so I might have to come down and, and, and live in your, your yeah. phone booth. Come but, to Connecticut. Uh, yeah. I'll come to Connecticut. Come to Connecticut. Um, obviously, the winner of the PLL becomes the champions, and last year's champions allegedly broke the trophy. Um, and Andy Tower said, well, I guess next year we'll have to break another one. Um, Tiffany's has done a good enough job, I think, to make it anti-breakable. Um, but the PLL obviously unveiling their new trophy. What are your thoughts? I like I like the look of the trophy a lot. I think it looks really cool. I like the gold head on the top. I think the, the base having all the old uh, winners on it is cool. I wish they had found a way to kind of, for those two years, the, tw- the 19 and 20, to get the... Uh, or the whatever it was, 2021, the overlap years uh, to get the Cannons and and the Bayhawks on there as well, along with the PLL champions somehow, because the level of play on those teams was really good. Some of the, you know, some of the best players in the PLL now were guys who were battling in those MLL years, you know? So um, I think it makes sense to try and figure it out somehow. I don't know how you do it, but that's something I would have liked to see. Um, Can't drink out of it, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, might be able but, to do a beer luge off it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, the same way you can't drink out of it, you can't break it. Like, if you really want to, you probably <laughs> um, So there's that. And the, the only thing, I guess the only knock on it is I don't like that it's uh, that it's got a sponsorship name on it. I don't like that it's like the the, PO, the Cash App Championship Trophy, or yeah. I think is what it is. Um, you know, I saw a couple of people on Twitter saying, look, just sell more spots on uniforms or, or something like that. But the trophy, you know, name it after a legend of the game, name it after somebody in the indigenous community, if you want to, whatever. But, uh, the sponsorship name on the trophy was a little off putting to me. Um, but, but otherwise, I think the trophy looks great. I think it's really cool. I hope it stays around for a while. I think they've had a different trophy every year. Broken every year. So this one looks durable enough to make it at least a few more years. Uh, so hopefully we get that. But on the whole, yeah, I think it looks awesome. It's a really cool looking trophy. Uh, the sponsorship thing, I, I could leave, but the, the look of the trophy itself is, is pretty incredible. Dan Arestia, the best in the business. Appreciate it, my man. Uh, enjoy the MSL this weekend, the Minto Cup. Yeah. You're going to catch up on your box across. Uh, <laughs> you'll have the weekend off. But uh, we're glad you're free. And uh, appreciate you coming as always, man. All right. Thanks so much, guys. There he is, Dan Arestia, uh, Lax Flash Insider for the PLL. Covers all things field across and just a, a knowledge uh, a wealth of knowledge, that young man. Uh, so thanks, Dan Arestia, for joining us. He mentioned Kieran McArdle, uh, possibly MVP candidate in the PLL. Um, no longer a member of the New York Riptide. 
Uh, no. There has been a massive jettison of offensive talent from the Albany Firewolves over the last two weeks. Ryan Manesh, Andrew Q, Riley O'Connor, Joe Rezateris. Four major parts of their offense over the past few seasons, all gone now. Um, is this a concern for you if you are an Albany Firewolves fan? Oh, man. I, it's, I'm trying to take the positive approach because I do trust the leadership that is in place here, but it certainly sounds some alarms. Mm-hmm. Now, good thing, good news. Let's stay with the positives here. Let's let's make sure these new Albany fans aren't jumping off the bandwagon too quick. Let's look here. The defense is young, promising, fast, um, and they have been of kind of a an underrated group for quite some time. You still have one of the most young, promising goalies in the game in Doug Jamison. Now, the issue is this offense looks completely different. Mm-hmm. You have lost your top four scores to either trades or free agency. Joe Rez is gone. Banesh is gone. Q is gone. O'Connor is gone. The season before that, you lost Callum Crawford. So the one thing you can say with this team, a couple seasons before that, you lost Sean Evans. The one positive I will say is this team has gone through a lot of changes offensively throughout mm-hmm. the years and they've been able to adjust as long as the players can buy into the system this offense is going to look a lot different they have never faltered from the way that they're going to play offense um, they want to be fast they want to move off ball it's just now do they have the right tools in place to be successful and i'm not sure right now they've collected a lot of picks mm-hmm there's been some rumblings. They have their eyes on uh, a few players in this draft, and this draft is great. But unfortunately, the majority of the top prospects in this draft aren't available to play this yeah. season. They're going back yeah. to the NCAA. So th- there's my bit of positive, but with my causes for concern. Mm-hmm. And my causes for concern, is there too much overturn here with this offense? And I'm starting to, to lean yes, but maybe this is a team – that's going to just try to grind you into the ground, score in transition, and maybe they don't have a top goal scorer and everyone's just sharing the ball and they're hoping to keep the score within, you know, low double digits to yeah. single digits. Maybe yeah. that's maybe that's the most 11, 10, 11, 9 games. Yeah. Maybe that's what they'll do. So we talked about last week, um, and Patty just mentioned, Joe Rezateritz goes to Philadelphia in free agency. Ryan Banesh goes back to Halifax in free agency. But just in the past 48 hours, Riley O'Connor and the eighth overall pick traded to New York for Kieran McCardle and the number four pick. Then they trade Andrew Q and Ethan Woods to Georgia for Ethan Walker and the number seven pick. And then they trade a 2023 third rounder to Toronto for Aaron Forster. So you lose... Banesh, Q, O'Connor, Reza Terrence. You add in McCardle, Walker, Forster, and who knows what they do with those two picks. But like you said, probably guys that aren't going to be in their lineup this year. So it, it's not the worst. Forster's still a little unproven. We all know what Ethan Walker can do. We all know what Kieran McCardle can do. Let's see what Glenn Clark and Clem Durazio and this group can do with that offense and, and Daryl Gibson working there as well. Let's see what they can do with this group. And you mentioned it. 
you know what, maybe they are looking to be an 11-9 kind of team, grinding out wins. But, you know, Aaron Foster, Forster, sorry, has really struggled to get into that Toronto lineup. And wasn't he a, was he a first-rounder? Wasn't he, he a was. first-rounder? Yeah. Former first-rounder. So, so the kid has genuine talent, been injured a bit, but again, just couldn't find a spot in that Toronto lineup. So maybe he kind of has a breakout year. Ethan Walker was down in Georgia. He's still a talented player, Peterborough product, Denver University product. Great, great player. Maybe he can have some effect. And then obviously, Kier McArdle. So, uh, yes, you lose a ton of talent, but I, they got talent back. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and that's a great point. It's not like they're – this isn't a team that's tanking for Williams next year. Like, this is not a team that thinks they're they're just not going to be good. Like, yeah. they still believe they can be competitive. The offense is just going to look different. And let's – you know, on that note, let's go through the offense. With the righties, I still think they have a pretty good right-handed group. You have Jacob Rue, who now mm-hmm. is has an opportunity for the first time in his, his career – to potentially be a number one, right? Yeah. Charlie Kitchen, who every time he steps on the floor, he's getting better and better. Tanner Thompson, another very young, promising prospect who we've seen him light it up in the Ontario junior ranks and in MSL. Connor Kelly, they picked him up as well. That was a sneaky, great signing. We've seen flashes of brilliance from him. Travis Longboat, again, small sample size. But he's been a guy that's been battling to get into the lineup. And same it was with awesome for New York last year, right? And and then Aaron Forster for whenever he was in for Toronto, it, I think his last game he played, uh, he ended up playing really well. It's just the fact that that right side was just too loaded, and you couldn't, yeah. you could just couldn't fit him in. On the flip side, they've got some work to do with their lefties. It's Kieran McCardle, who again having a great PLL season, but last year with the 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 riptide he was basically playing transition near the end of yeah. the um but again maybe he can find some some you know him being the guy on the left hand side maybe he he builds up this pl season jordan durston and ethan walker so right now those are your three lefties um i don't know if you can go into camp with those three guys being your guys yeah. um although jordan durston's having a solid msl season um and we've seen him be pretty dynamic but I just feel like something's missing on that left-hand side. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, they need to add something, whether it's in the draft, whether it's in trades, whether there's another free agent out there that they can try and grab. Um, that That is definitely an area they need to work on. But Albany has been very busy. New York has been very busy. doesn't sound like New York's done. It sounds like they still have some more irons in the fire. Um, but Toronto made a big splash as well. Yeah. Um, and nobody really saw this coming. Uh, in the release, Jamie Dowick said Rob Hellier was looking to move west. Um, could they find something that worked for him? And they did. They send Rob Hellier to Vegas for two future first-rounders, 23 and 24. What was your initial thoughts? And now that it's sunk in, how do you feel? When it initially happened, I said, what the hell just happened? <laughs> yeah. Because you know, like, uh, when you – like. It's crazy to think because Hellier is still a relatively young guy, mm-hmm. but he's been around this rock. Like he, he was there the last time they won a championship. Um, this is a guy that's, I think the longest tenured Toronto or was the longest tenured Toronto rock player. If I'm not mistaken, Nick Rose. See there before Nick Rose. Uh, yeah. Cause Hellier was there in 2011. Yeah. He was the rookie in 2011. Yeah. Yeah, he's been longer than Nick Rose. Crazy. So so he's been there forever. 
And he is one of Dalek's guys. Like Dalek yeah. loves him. And when you are loved by Dalek and you continue to show loyalty and, and continue to, to uh, you know, battle for the Toronto Rock, like that's why I was so shocked when he got traded. Yeah. But then once more came out, and especially that it was out west, now we're hearing that, you know, he's he is possibly relocating out west, um, you know, with his wife. And it's a great opportunity for him to go into a new market in Vegas. We know he still can contribute. It's not like he's oh yeah, you know, fallen off. Like he's one of the most consistent um scorers in the lacrosse world for the last little while. Um, I know he was battling some injuries last year, but all in all, um, uh, I think it's a great move for Vegas. It's steep, but they need some some proven scores. So you get one there. And breaking news: Jamie Dalek actually likes first round picks. Apparently, hey. <laughs> well, I, like I don't, I don't think he's going to know what to do. When they say in the first round, Toronto Rock, you're on the clock. Like, <laughs> he's probably still going to be up in his office, hanging out, just watching the draft on TV. But no, he's going to have to make a pick in the first it, round in a couple of years. So, and it's good though because I know we keep saying this, and we talked about with 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 Dan as well in the PLL. But like we are about to hit, including this year's draft and last year's draft, there is a stretch of about three four years where there is a lot of top end heavy heavy talent mm -hmm. and i think maybe mr dowick has realized like okay in years past i've been able to grab a couple of diamonds in the rough in the third and the fourth and even held the, the later than that yeah but with how top heavy some of these drafts are and how you're seeing dan dawson extend for one year he's not going to be around forever maybe tom schreiber eventually wants to move back somewhere in the states maybe some of these other pieces on the back end might want to go elsewhere. He's going to have to find elite young talent at some mm -hmm. point. And why not do it in these next couple of drafts where you're, you're, you're talking about a lot of franchise players that are up for grabs. Uh, Tom Shriver re up for three years uh, as of today. So he's going to be around for a few more at least. Um, Gavin Prout, the new offensive coordinator in Rochester. Uh, I love Gavin Prout. Always have, mm -hmm. always will. Um, I think he this was due for him. He's been putting in his work um, in Ontario for the last few years. So I love this. Um, it gives them a, a bit of a bolt or jolt in that Rochester group. Um, but this was a question that was posed to me uh, by someone the other day. A, are you surprised? And B, will anyone sign Sean Evans? Am I surprised? About that he hasn't been signed yet. And do you think anyone will? Yes and yes. Hmm, okay. I think he's going to sign somewhere. I'm surprised he hasn't. But at the same time, let me take it back. I'm going to say no and yes. I think No, you're not surprised? No, yes, I'm not surprised. Will. And yes, he will. I, I am not surprised that he hasn't signed because – you know, he parted ways with Rochester, but for some reason I felt like, hey, maybe he will make his way back there. Mm -hmm. But now looking at that roster, you have Curtis Knight, Ryan Smith, Thomas Hogarth, uh, Michael Burks in the mix there. So there's not a ton of space there for righties. You look across the league, and this is just the way that the league is. Uh, there's Ready not a, 
there's not a lot of of spots for him to land and uh, an older player a veteran a guy that's been around the block it's got to be the right spot and with his job it probably has to be in the east yeah so it's like i'm not surprised that he hasn't gone yet i will i'm really not but at the end of the day you heard kurt steyer saying yes that experiment didn't end up working but he said I'd be crazy not to at least give this a try because yeah. Sean Evans at the end of the day is one of the greatest playmakers the game has ever seen. And after watching him in MSL, that dude still has a lot left in the tank. Yep. And He's- I was on, I was on record that I, I didn't love the move for Halifax, not because I don't like Sean Evans. In fact, I think he's a guy that a lot of teams would like on his roster. And I think it just rocked the boat and he didn't fit yep. that system, yep. but there is a space, there is a team that Sean Evans can still go to and still be a contributor and a good contributor in that. I just don't well, know where it is. Yeah, I don't like know. like you said, it's got to be an Eastern team with his job. I I would I kind of picked it as you know he was the golden horseshoe kind of guy. It's a Toronto, Buffalo, Rochester, Albany, right? He's been in Buffalo before. He's been in Rochester. He's been in Albany. I don't know if Toronto goes out and gets him, but you know what? If you could sign a guy on a one-year deal, bring him into camp, see how he fits. Like, there's no guaranteed money in the NLL, so, like, you can bring him in, try him out, see if it fits. If it doesn't, you release him for nothing. I just – I I love Sean Evans. I love his style. I love his grit. I love his play. I just don't know if a team is willing to take that on and knowing that he's probably going to command a bit of a high price tag. And – you know, he's going to be a guy that wants to be close to home. He's not going to be in your market. You're going to have to fly him in or he's going to have to be driving wherever you're going to sign him. Like, is he a Philly guy? Is he a Georgia guy? Is he a New York guy? Right? So I am not surprised. I think he will, but I just don't know if he finds a home this year. I think it's Philly. I think it's Philly. Oh, man, they would absolutely love him. Like, okay, they would love <laughs> like, 2007 Evans more. Yes. But 2022 Evans still has some jam. There are a lot of Peterborough ties with Philly, um, even dating back to the John Grant senior days. Like, uh, like you look at those teams, um, they were basically all filled with Peterborough guys. It was basically mm-hmm. the Peterborough uh, team just that moved down there. But even now to today's game, Look at who their coach and general yeah. manager is yeah. all day. Look at their roster. Um, it's littered with Peterborough talent or guys that have played for the Lakers or who are continuing to play for the Lakers. You lose Joe Rez. I know you still have Matisse. I know you still have Macintosh. No, they and, got Joe Rez. Sorry, you have sorry, you have Rez. You lost. Um, you end up losing Crowley. Mm-hmm. So you have Matisse and Macintosh. I know you have a youngster in Sam LeClaire, but like, can you talk to Evie and be like, you're going to be our fourth righty. Are you good with that? If he's good with that, then maybe it works. Yeah. Maybe it works. And that's a pretty good right-hand side with Rez, Matisse, McIntosh, and Evans. Yeah. And, and Evie doesn't have to carry the ball a lot in that group. He can just kind of work off ball set and picks and do his thing. Yeah. I don't hate it. I don't hate that. I don't hate that move. Um, any other moves this week? Let's see what's on the Brody Merrill, you know, like Gobrek, Mike McCann, Matt Sykes back in San Diego, 
Max Wilson, my boy, three-year deal in Halifax. I know you love that. Yes. Um, Dan Taylor, Justin Nasio signing in Calgary. Oh, Chris Corbeil, three-year deal to Toronto. I think we were all kind of waiting on that one. Yep. Um, yep. And I think it probably came down to a couple of teams. Maybe Halifax, Buffalo, Toronto were kind of in his wheelhouse. But he ends up going home to the Toronto Rock on a three-year deal, and that defense just gets even scarier. Yeah, I just uh, – I when I heard that, you know, the teams that were down, you basically, you know, narrowed, narrowed them down there. The big thing was he wanted to be home. Mm-hmm. Um, now he's literally home in Ontario, and it's it's great for him, for his personal life, for his job. But also now – and. I, again, I still think he's a guy that's going to be able to contribute. And maybe he's not the vintage I love Lucy's, like a guy that is is racking up all the, the GBs and covering the top players. But, hey, you don't have to on that Toronto defense. Yeah. Like, look at the guys that are around him now. Maybe now he actually becomes more of a transitional piece because, like, you have your lockdown guys. Like, I, I don't know. I'm really curious to see how he fits in because – he doesn't need to be a, a, a top contributor. Like he can, he can just kind of be that middle pack guy. And if he's your middle pack guy, like yeah, that's a damn good defense. Were you surprised? I know you're usually the guy asking the questions around here, but were you surprised to see Rubish stay in Saskatchewan? I, I think I it was either I I was thinking it was either going to be they both stay or they both go, and the fact that they kind of split up, yep. Um, did kind of shock me, especially since they they signed Boudreaux and Barnable, um, their prize draft picks from a couple years ago. Um, yeah, it did surprise me that that they kind of split up and Rubish was the one to stay. I you know I would have thought that it would have been Corbs would have stayed being the captain, but um, I, I don't know where Rubes goes next year. That'll be the question. Who right. picks him up? Because I know everyone was calling Derek Keenan for both Corbeil and Rubish to try to sign them as free agents. Like every team was throwing some sort of deal at Jammer to try and get those guys. But it, it did surprise me that that Rubish stayed and Corbeil left. Um, but I think, you know, uh, did they announce their new captain? I thought I saw some sort of tease from the rush um, about a C. Um, but I never saw what happened. So, you know, do they give the C to him and to Rubes in his final year? Well, it definitely I, did surprise me. I, I mean, it would be a very nice piece to try to entice him to stay longer um, for a year. But if you learn anything from Calgary, um, you know, they lost their captain last year in Dobie and then Dixon where's mm-hmm. the seat and then he's gone and i don't really necessarily have a pulse on the fan base of the roughnecks but uh, you gotta assume they're pretty heartbroken that back-to-back yeah. years you lose your captain so um i'd be interested to see do you go with a veteran like rubish or do you give it to an up-and-coming guy that you know that's going to be here for a long time interesting or do you give it to that. matthews or do you give it to matthews and that's an enticing piece sure, for him. Just sure. One of those guys. Right. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Yep. No, no doubt about that. But yeah, I'm, I, I tend to agree with you. I think I, my initial thought was they'll either sign together, stay one more kick at the can 
or both of them are gone and they're going to sign somewhere. So I was, I was surprised to see it split down the middle, but again, speaking of going, you know, one more kick at the can, like looking at that rush offense and, and, and the defense and the way things ended last year, Mm -hmm. wouldn't be surprised me if they're in the mix again, one more time. Yeah. With, with that, with that group and Jimmy Quinlan spearheading it behind the bench with Jammer pulling the strings, you can never count them out. Hundred percent, you can never count them out. Um, NLL draft September tenth, Carlu Theater downtown Toronto. Uh, more info will be released on broadcast and all that stuff, but uh, mark it on your calendars. Uh, people will be allowed inside the theater. I think they said they have room for about four hundred people. So if you're in the GTA, um get yourself some tickets because it is going to be a heck of a draft this is maybe not the deepest but that first round is going to be something special yeah i'm i'm really really starting to get into draft mode and i know there's a lot of draft eligible or potential draft eligible players at the minto so it's just kind of getting me even more exciting i know some of that top end talent that we'll be talking about over the next few weeks um leading up to the draft aren't at this tournament but the more i see these guys up close and personal the more i think maybe this first round is going to be a little bit deeper than anticipated but there i honestly think the top five six like i think we have an idea of maybe how one two goes but after that i think it's open season i think we could see a mixture of of different things and i think that's going to make for a very interesting draft night vancouver is always going to be the tough one because we know they like to draft guys that are western guys but now that they bring troy accordingly and does that skew their plans of kind of drafting western guys and if they go with an eastern guy how much does that affect everything else down the road so uh 23 picks in the first round 16 through 23 are all compensatory picks um rochester vegas vancouver and now albany are your top four followed by panther city and saskatchewan rounding out your top six so um 23 picks in that first round it's gonna take a while so make sure you stick with us uh throughout the whole draft we'll uh bring it to you but again broadcast details coming up in the next few weeks before we move on to the other question that donnie myself and and a couple other folks you know in between the games we're talking when we're discussing the draft Mm -hmm. do you feel that with this new rule now that a lot of the players are able to go back and and finish their last season but this is the last year of that right i believe so i do believe so continue do you believe like this year it allows teams to maybe not so much draft immediate needs say like, oh, we really desperately need a lefty. They kind of put that not quite as high, and they'll be like, this kid is super, super good. We cannot – and I'm talking about like the top seven picks, we'll say, mm-hmm. top mm-hmm. five picks. And you just go whoever the best player is because by the time they're able to play, your roster might look different. That yeah. lefty that you're thinking about – might be gone in free agency or you might actually trade for him. Like for example, does Rochester really need a lefty that bad? 
and go for a guy like McCombie? Or is McCombie so good that you take him and you worry about your roster in a year and find a way to fit him into your roster? I think there are teams, and this was the same discussion we had last year. There are teams that have the ability to wait because they are deep. And there are teams that need a set necessities now. But for it, so there are going to be the haves and the have nots, the teams that can wait and the teams that can't wait. Obviously, Vegas can't wait, need guys right away. Panther City needs guys right away. New York probably needs guys right away. When you look at a team like Rochester, yeah, I think that is a great question. Do they go and get McConvey and hope he doesn't get hurt and hopefully everything goes smooth and tickety-boo and then he slides into your roster next year? Or do they say, we need help right now, we need a back-end guy, and they go out and get Owen Grant? Who knows? Mm -hmm. I think that is a massive question that we need to start asking all of the general managers as we lead up to that draft. Are you a team that can wait? Or are you a team that's in need now? And... If you are a team that's wait, are you taking the best available player? Or are you taking a guy that you can see is going to fill a hole in two years because you know you're going to lose guys in two years? So I think with this being the last year of the COVID drafts, it's just that's going to be the big sort of question that all these GMs have to answer. Are we in need guys now or are we, okay, we can stockpile. Like, look at what Saskatchewan did with Boudreaux and Barnable. They grabbed those guys back to back, knowing that in two years, they're probably going to be losing one of, if not both of, Rubish and uh, Rubish and Corbeil. So they've got those guys now stockpiled. They're coming in. They only lose Corbeil. Rubish is still there. Um, but it was perfectly executed. So, again, it's... I'm throwing on. I'm throwing in myself in the host chair quite a bit. I'm asking you these questions. I love it. That's we're co-host. It's not exactly. my show. It's our show. Exactly. So I'm going to ask you then. Oh Jesus, Vancouver, because they are the they're like the swing state when you're watching the <laughs> the election and like things can just go completely in a completely different way. And you bring up the fact that they now have a coaching staff that has a, a, a real good pulse on the youngsters in the game in the East. Like for example, Aiden Walsh, mm-hmm. they go out and sign him. Um, they bring him in or, and he's a guy that they've been seeing him quite a bit. So now I'm starting to think that there is a good chance that they decide to go with an Eastern guy or whoever the best available player is. But I wanted to ask you, do you think it's more valuable for Vancouver to continue to draft local talent to help continue to build the fan base? Or is it just better to build the best team possible? Because at the end of the day, I think winning might bring in just as many fans. Well, here's the thing. Winning will be their number one priority. It's not about making the fans happy seeing a local guy. That is always great. That is always a huge boost for guys to play in their backyard. But this is a team that win, needs to start winning before they need to start worrying about things like that. If they're looking at local guys, Will Johansson's probably the top-ranked Western guy. Um, but I truly believe 
the influence of Troy accordingly will be we need to win games now and we need to draft the best player available that's going to help our team now, right away. And unfortunately, as we've talked about, most of the guys in the top half of that first round are probably going to be going back to school. Mm-hmm. So the, that which takes us back to our other question of can you wait or do you need guys right away? And I don't think Vancouver can wait. So it'll be very interesting to see what Troy Cordingly and Dan Richardson do with that number three pick. Maybe they trade it, Pat. I don't know where or to who and for what, but if they get to three and they don't think Will Johansson's the guy and they don't think Owen Grant's, like I could totally see them taking Owen Grant at three. But maybe, maybe someone comes calling. Maybe an Eastern team comes calling and say, hey, we'll give you X for that number three pick, and it's too good to turn down because it's a guy that can help them right away. So, again, all questions we'll start asking GMs as we get closer and closer to the draft, but I truly believe Vancouver has to start drafting guys that can help them and help them right away. You know, they they didn't get Crowley. They didn't get Dixon. So they're kind of back to square one with their offense with a healthy Mitch Jones, Logan Schuss, Riley Lowen, Keegan Ball, Jordan McBride's another year older. Um, so, you know, I, I think they need to start adding pieces, younger pieces. And it'll be interesting to see what they do. I'm, I'm very interested to see what Vancouver does at three because that's always, you, you said it, what kind of state was it? A swing state. A swing state, yeah. It's a, they are they are the swing state for sure. Yeah, and and you you know it it is it is you 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 cannot downplay the fact that it's the same thing with Eastern teams. Like Eastern teams will generally look off a Western guy because it's like ah we got to fly him in blah blah mm-hmm. blah. But at the end of the day, if you want the best talent you might have to just put that aside and be like, he's too good. We'll figure out a way yeah. if we can bring him in. We'll give him a job where he's, you know, working for the team in market, whatever it may be. But yeah, they, this honestly, this discussion right here just got me so fired up for this draft. <laughs> like, I well, think it's going to be a great draft. Uh, let's stay fired up. Obviously, Dan Arestia teed up the PLL playoffs. They are off, but we still got to get you some box bets for this week. Let's dive in and try to win you some money. Time now for Box Bets, your source for all the lines, odds, and props from across the world of lacrosse. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> all right, Patty, Box Bets time. Uh, last week, we were this close to going big. Cannon's whips went under. Chrome one by one and a half, that covered. But the chaos money line, I thought we had it. We needed a miracle two-pointer at the end. We didn't get it. Um, we lost out on a big plus 1,000. We're going to drown our sorrows, but we are going to set you up for some Man Cup props. We kind of been teasing it for a little while. We've been talking about how there was going to be more than just PLL to bet on. And now it's here. Cool bet is pleased to announce that 
not only are we offering future bets right now for the man cup, um, but when the man cup does roll around, whether it's Langley, Peterborough, six nations or Nanaimo, we're going to offer pretty much our exact same offer that we offer for NLL. That means you'll get money line, you'll get spread, you'll get half totals, you'll get player props. And what that also means is the OTCB exclusive parlay will also have a man cup flavor to it as well. So we're super excited to offer odds for the man cup, the Canadian senior a national championship, but unfortunately, because the games haven't started yet, but you can still bet on it. And things opened up pretty interesting. And if you got in on it early, you might be having some value. Well, (laughs) when these lines opened up the Langley thunder, despite having to travel East, are the odds on favorites that's crazy to me at plus 190 this is the opening lines we'll, yeah. we'll then yeah. talk about current lines here and, and, and keep in mind folks if you log on to cool bet at, at this point and the odds are down it means that what happens is we take these odds down while the games are going on mm-hmm. once the game finishes the odds will go back up and they'll be a little bit adjusted so Stay with us here. Langley Thunder plus 190 despite having to travel east. I was surprised with that, but hey, that's the reason why these are the wise guys that set the lines and we're the guys that continue to lose our bets week <laughs> after week. The Six Nations Chiefs sitting in second at plus 220. The Peterborough Lakers at plus 235. And the Nanaimo Timberland. Timberman at plus five. The Timberland. That would be a pretty fire name. Though. The Nymo Timberman at plus 500. Fast forward a week, not even a week later. My and God. the lines have shifted, obviously, with the way that these two finals have gone. Mm-hmm. The Langley Thunder plus 100 to win shortly behind. So if you didn't bet on the Lakers. When these lines opened up, oh, like our friend Evan Schemenauer, he's going to be able to buy another house in Saskatchewan with his winnings here. Because now the Lakers are down to plus 105. And then, if you think the impossible can happen, and either the Chiefs or the Timbermen can come back and win, maybe this is when you sprinkle on them. Because Six Nations is at plus... 1,050. No, 1,150. 1,150, sorry. That would be pretty crazy odds. Nanaimo, though, 25 to 1. Can they pull off the reverse sweep? I don't know about it. But, hey, if you believe, if you believe, yeah, there is some value there. But there I think I think we're on a collision course for Langley versus Peterborough. So I'll be interested to see what the odds are. Like, Langley... We talked Langley can pro will can win the West tonight. Peterborough can win the East tomorrow, I believe, is when game five is. Yeah. I'm very interested to see what the lines are once we get those two teams. Yeah. I I'm I would be too. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Peterborough slowly Yeah, close that gap and flip it. Yeah. So basically what I'm saying here is if you're thinking about betting Langley, I think you hold your horses a little bit Mm -hmm. here and wait till a little more value comes, but I'm excited, man. Like 
you know, the the fact that Canadian lacrosse fans can can bet on on the Man Cup, like yeah, uh, I'm I'm super excited for that. And and you know, the the cool bet odds makers when it comes to our our Canadian bookmakers, they're awesome. They have the best odds for the NLL. They're gonna have the best odds for the Man Cup. So if you want, say we see Langley Lakers, hey, maybe we've got a just gonna throw this out there a thomas hogarth and dane doby over five and a half combined goals parlay maybe that will be our otzb or maybe it's the over 20 and a half plus a lakers win whatever it may be we're gonna have our combinations we're gonna put this together and the best part about it as well is that you can bet on the men's Canadian senior A championship. What a time to be alive. You can We're going to get creative now. with it all. We'll make you guys have some fun. Uh, we did talk a little PLL uh, with Dan Ressler, the odds whip snakes of the favorites at plus 135 archers plus 400 Chrome plus 600 Atlas plus 700 chaos plus 900 woods plus 1400 and the dogs at plus 1800. So, uh, coolbet.com slash CA is where you can go. Um, you can follow us online and join in on our parlays when we put them out. Again, we'll have a better parlay for you next week when there are games to have. But just know that you can get involved in the action right now over at coolbet.com. And as we always say, stay cool. Bet responsibly. All right. Uh, anything else on your mind before we get out of here, Patty? No, I just, uh, we talked about it off the top, but uh, don't forget, starting Monday, the President's Cup, mm. sneakily the best tournament, maybe in sports, like one of the best. Like I, I said on the broadcast, I don't know, it was Matt said, uh, the man or the Minto Cup, the hardest trophy to win in lacrosse. And I said, eh, the President's Cup folks might have uh, a word to say about that. I know we lost a team with Saskatchewan not sending in or Saskatoon not sending a team, but still it's going to be a round robin format, I believe. Um, yeah. And just, I'm, I think the easiest way to explain it is now you don't have to uh, game replay or a day replay twice. Right. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. Very, very fair point. Cause you usually Which, played every day. And then one of the days you played twice. Right. So it's the Aquasosny Bucks, Calgary Mountaineers, Ladner Pioneers, Capital City Axemen, uh, the M- Muskoka Muskies, Edmonton Miners, and the Six Nations Rivermen are your seven teams. And it all gets going in Edmonton next week. I believe Jumbo's calling those games. Yes, that's, that's what uh, I gathered from the podcast uh, this week. Yeah. So Jumbo will have all the action from Edmonton. And we talked with Linzer last week about it. But, man, lacrosse in Edmonton is having a heck of of a summer oh, yeah. uh, with their performance at the at the founders obviously they're running the minto still surviving uh the miners are always a top threat uh at the president's cup if they've won what like four of the last five or six or something like that so um unbelievable lacrosse coming up the president's cup i i, I always think people say the minto is the hardest to win because you have the smallest window of time 
because right. you only have, you know, it used to be three years. Now it's five years to kind of win it. Whereas you can win an NLL cup in your 20th year, a man cup in your seventh or eighth year, a president's cup, whenever, but the toll on your body, even now the Minto cup, you know, Edmonton's playing their fourth game in four days. So is Toronto today. Whippy gets the day off the president's cup. You're playing seven games in seven days. The man cup, you're playing seven and nine. Like none of them are easy to win and they are all an absolute grind on your body. Yeah. And again, we jokingly said this in between a couple of the games that we're going to start a, a drinking game for the, the folks at home for every time we said war of attrition <laughs> on the broadcast. But one, I think you'd be blackout by the time yeah. that finishes, but uh, it's true though. Like it's honestly true. Like mm-hmm. um, again, not to go back to Victoria again, but if Kyle Pepper doesn't go down, oh, like uh, I, I was, I'm sorry, but like, uh, you know, he, he's such a special player. He's a, a drum and, and with how good each team is at the face-off as well and how yeah. close the games are. Sorry, Ty Merrill, but face-offs freaking matter. Um, <laughs> so uh, luckily during this tournament, knock on wood, that's been the, the only serious injury that we've had so far. But you cannot tell me that like these kids aren't going back and just – I literally see – you see it, in the, it, it down by the loading dock, guys in – ice tubs mm-hmm. the guys ice packs everywhere their knees are are ripped open with turf burn like these guys are banged up and the whippy warriors have dodged a bullet because they get a couple extra days off now and they don't have to play what is the wagon and one of my top storylines of the tournament in the minors because yeah, it whew, what a team they are, man. Yeah, it's the first time uh, Alberta has been in the semifinals since they've gone to this four-team format. Um, so just a, an outstanding achievement by Johnny Lentz and his entire crew. Uh, that game goes 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Edmonton, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Be yourself, Matt Carrick, and producer Donnie on the call. Who's uh, in the suicide box today? Uh, producer Donnie will be down in between the benches. I'm doing color, and the lacrosse boss is on play by play is he gonna wear is uh donnie gonna wear the helmet he has to we keep telling him he's got <laughs> the great kazoo bucket we've been giving it to him hard we've been pumping his tires as well but we bring he's been good oh, i know he's been great man he's, he's great. been he's been so good for a guy that's just kind of cutting his teeth uh in this industry he's been so good obviously being in a minto before understands the war of attrition drink um but, uh, yeah, he's been awesome. And all three of you guys have been fantastic. So uh, enjoy the call tonight. Enjoy the games, everybody. Thanks to Dan Arestia for hopping by and giving us some PLL chatter. He is Pat Gregoire. Find him on Twitter, at P Greggy. I'm at Teddy Jenner, the show, at OTCB underscore podcast, and on Instagram, at OTCB podcast. Um, a slew of signings just came in. From Brian Lemon from the of NLL. Course. Of course, of at course. Least we didn't, uh, at least we didn't stop recording. Some notable ones. Uh, Greg Harnett, one year to Buffalo, placed him on the active roster. Kyle Buchanan re-signs a one-year deal. Josh Sullivan and Chris Wardle back in Colorado. Um, Justin Getty's deal just finally coming through as official. Uh, 
uh, Holland Garland re-signing in Saskatchewan. Josh Jubenzel, Phil Mazuka, and Tom Schreiber back with The Rock. Ryan Martel, Keegan Ball, and Eric Moss won your deals with the Vancouver Warriors. Again, nll.com slash transactions where you can see all that information. Uh, a busy go. show. Yes, Patrick. Want to go before we go because we did talk about the Firewolves at, at length. Yeah, uh, we do also see them sign Patrice Kaschalk, who was one of their defensive uh, draft picks last mm. year. Um, Justin Scott, who is a nice little reliable—I shouldn't say little because he's a big boy—but he's a a nice depth piece. He played a few games with the Rock this year and was a guy yeah. that just plays so well without the ball. So there you go. That's one of those lefties that we were talking about. And one of the most interesting men in lacrosse, we've been hearing about this name for a long time, but Zach Masson signs with the Firewolves. You remember him. He is a guy that has been just hanging around on different rosters and draft holdout lists. Uh, Orangeville Northman transition player, uh, but he's been living the dream playing pro hockey. He was away at school. From what I've seen last is he signed in the ECHL. So maybe Albany went up to him and said, hey, if the coast doesn't work out for you, there's a spot here in Albany for you. So um, maybe we finally get to see Zach Masson uh, back in the game of lacrosse, but he's going to start out playing in uh, the ECHL and maybe he finds his way. Uh, and that would be an awesome signing for, for mm-hmm. Albany for sure. Uh, the human highlight reel, Scott Dominey, two years back uh, with the Riptide. All right, let's get out of here. Uh, he's Pat. I'm Teddy. Uh, thanks for joining in again. As always, thanks to Dan and Rest. Yeah. Uh, enjoy the games this weekend. If you go to a game, take a friend. If you take a friend, buy him a beer because lacrosse and beer go hand in hand. Until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other.